0: and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, God with us.
1: A reading a reading from the Gospel of Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is blessed. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us.
2: Merry Christmas. My name's Gary, and we have a very special Christmas sermon for you. In fact, we have four of them. Just like the Gospels, we just heard from um, these two Gospels, two of them. Isn't it interesting that God gave us four Gospels? The story of Jesus is so important that there are four different perspectives on the Gospels. So we're going to give you four sermons on this Christmas series. Don't worry, they'll all be very bite-sized. But in addition to me... um, There'll be um, Jody, I'm her husband. Um, there'll be Raina, and Andrew is uh, her husband as well. We'll all kind of share um, our own particular takes on this beautiful story of God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Last year at Christmas time, uh, our family went on a hike. It was a local hike, kind of an urban hike, but we went uh, up in the Berkeley Hills and we found this beautiful place. Um, that where you can see all the way from Richmond to the Oakland Airport, and you just can see everything. And we had some new binoculars, and so our family was, like, looking and trying to find things, and it was really interesting being like, can we find our house? Is it over there? No, look for that thing. And we found this garishly painted blue house right across the street from ours, and that was the landmark to find our house. And so now we can find our house. We kept finding all these landmarks. And in the last year, I've gone up to this same space many times, and I can find all these things now that we've found together. And sometimes I'll be up there in the middle of the day, and I know that, you know, my son's at Berkeley High, my daughter's at Longfellow, my wife is in Oakland, and I kind of pray for them, and I know where they are. I can see all in one space. Very interesting what you can see when you look together. And I think the same thing is true of Christmas, of this idea that God has become flesh and dwelled among us. And I think that's why we do want to give you four different perspectives on this this morning. Because it's not enough. Like we, I think every Christmas there's more to discover. Think about how many Christmases you have left. Some of you young ones with advances in, me- med- in medical technology, you may have 100 Christmases left. If you're an old guy like me, you might have, I don't know, 30, 40, 20? Who knows? We don't know. But what I do know is that whether you have 100 Christmases left or just one, we're not going to come close to figuring out the mystery of what this is. And this feels so important because in the past, Christmas can seem, frankly, kind of boring. Like, I've heard this story. I've sung these songs before. But if we stop, and like Mary in this passage, this is the, the, the verse that really struck me, where Mary alone is called out and emphasizes that she treasured all of these things in her heart. And um, she she pondered, she, she treasured up all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. Like, wouldn't everybody have done that? Would the shepherds just go home and say, like, next thing, you know? But somehow Mary had a special focus, and she took the time to treasure these things and to ponder them in her heart. And so I believe the invitation to all of us this year is to treasure the story of Jesus' birth and to ponder them in our hearts. And so our sharing with you now is just We're just trying to prime the pump for you this Christmas season. We're just trying to invite you, actually, to look at these texts in the same way that we are and to ask, what are you going to ponder in your heart this year?
3: When it comes to Christmas and we hear about the story of Mary pondering in her heart, I want to share with you some things that I've been pondering in my heart. And here's the story behind it. Last year, I came to church one Sunday morning during the season of Advent. And I was sitting up front here in the pews, and it was time for worship. But I had the hardest time worshiping because I felt so bad. The night before, I had a big fight with Andrew, and I totally lost it. I don't remember the details of exactly what happened or what I said, but I remember the deep sense of shame I felt. And I'm pretty sure we had reconciled by then, but sitting in church and singing the words of the worship song just didn't feel right to me. I felt like a hypocrite. The night before, I was yelling, and I was saying hateful things, and the next day I'm going to come into church and pretend like none of it happened? It's hard to express exactly how I felt. I felt unworthy. I felt like I couldn't approach God. I felt the weight of my sin. So I sat through the service with my head down, wrestling with feelings of guilt, And every moment, I felt myself separating myself further and further from God. During the service, the scripture was read, and the word of God came alive to me, and God spoke to me. The verse was from Matthew. An angel appeared to Joseph and said to him in a dream that Mary would be pregnant and have a son. And the angel said, you shall call him Jesus, for he shall save the people from their sins. Matthew 1, 21. The words pierced my heart, and I started to cry. This is why God sent his son into the world, to save the people from their sins, to save me from my sins. I've always been a big fan of Christmas. I love the decor, I love the food, I love the time with family and friends and the tradition. But this very moment reminded me of the ultimate reason why Jesus came into the world. It was to save. It was to redeem. It was to forgive sinners like me. There are moments in my Christian life that God opened my eyes to see him and myself more clearly. And this was one of them. Now Christmas has a much deeper meaning to me. During this season, I ponder these things in my heart. As the angel Gabriel said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. People like you and people like me. Praise be to God.
4: So in this passage, most of the story centers on the shepherds. I'm thinking of the Luke passage that was read to us and their joyful response to the good news. They rush to see the fulfillment of a long-awaited promise and are filled with wonder and awe and praise. And yet the person who I'm drawn to in this story, as I've been drawn to this entire Advent season, is Mary. Mary which is ironic because Gary and I did not talk about this before. She is only mentioned here in five of the verses, and the description of her labor and delivery is short. The time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger. Now, if you've ever given birth or witnessed someone's labor and delivery, your description was probably a little more elaborate than this. Um, The hours of painful contractions, just waiting for your body to do what it needs to do. And the exhausting action of pushing, sometimes for hours, Isaiah, without pain meds, Isaiah, in order to deliver your child. And all we hear in this passage is, The time came and she gave birth, written by a man. Mary, (laughs) this young teenager, the first to hear the good news, The first to immediately and trustingly say yes to God's very specific request of her to embody God's body. To make available a place within her womb for the Savior to dwell and grow. Even though how this would happen would be a mystery. The first to believe that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord the second, after Elizabeth, to shout and cry in joy in what we read and know now as the Magnificat, to raise her voice, a young woman who may have been accustomed to being silenced, to raise her voice in praise. Mary, who humbly recognized the one who looked upon her with favor, who knew herself as blessed, and yet who did not hoard these blessings for herself, who recognized the one to be delivered through her young body, Would scatter the proud, bring down the powerful, lift up the lowly, fill the hungry, and send away the rich empty. In his mercy and according to the promise he made to Israel, who knew herself as lowly and chosen and blessed. Mary, the mother of the deliverer, who labored in pain to deliver him to a weary world, who had already known the good news shared with the shepherds for nine months, whose maternal response to his birth was to wrap him in bands of cloth, make sure he was warm, and lay him in a manger where he could rest. Mary, the mother of contemplation, the one who looked upon the newborn Jesus and loved him with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength, who treasured all the words spoken by the excited shepherds and pondered them in her heart who was told eight days later by the prophet Simeon that this child was destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and that a sword would pierce her own soul, who willingly accepted the consequence of loving this son of hers. As I reflect on Mary's model to me as a contemplative activist, I am drawn to her humility, her faith, her genuine trust in God's promise and mysterious movements in fulfilling those promises, her joy in being used by God to deliver the one who would deliver us. She knew she was not the deliverer, the Messiah, and yet God chose her to be the deliverer of the deliverer. How can we learn from Mary and imitate her example of love for Jesus to create a space within us for Christ to grow and dwell, to embody his spirit, if not his physical body, to be a person through which Christ is delivered to a weary and hurting world, a world longing for justice, righteousness, and peace, to recognize our blessedness and allow ourselves to be filled with grace, for indeed the Lord is with us. O come, Emmanuel, we recognize your first coming, and we long for your second coming. We ask to be your instruments like Mary, contemplating the wonder of your love, Filled with hope in your promises that you will deliver us and move to action to deliver Christ to this world, which you love so dearly.
5: Hello, everyone. I am Andrew. I am Rena's husband. I am the one, apparently, who causes big fights. Apparently. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let me hear you guys say, God with us. Those are some pregnant words right there. God with us. You know, when you really love someone... It's not enough just to love them from afar. It's not enough just to love them from a distance. It's not enough just to cry out from the mountaintops. If you really love someone, just by very nature, the quality of love means you want to come close to them. You want to be with them. If they're hurting, you want to enter into their pain. You want to be close. Love comes near. It's the very nature of love. Now, Emmanuel, the name of Jesus means, it means God with us. And the incarnation of Christ, it causes us to wonder, like, why why is God sending His Son into the world? Why does God need to become a human being? It's kind of weird, actually. It's scandalous to think that The infinite God is going to be fused in a a finite human body. Like, how does that work? Why is this even necessary? Omnipotent God giving up his heavenly rights. Why? Doesn't make sense. Why? Now, my Christmas reflection is perhaps the best answer I have to this mystery, to this question. Why did God need to come down in person in the person of his Son? Well, it's as simple as this. When you love someone, it's not enough just to love them from afar. Love wants to come near. It wants to come close. Love wants to come close. So let me give you an example. Let me try to make this as real as I can. Um, In the fellowship hall, I met a friend that I haven't seen for about 20 years. And so I just want you to imagine me seeing Matthew... Igasati Reed, Matt, can you you just stand right there? Okay, now I just want you to imagine that Matt's going through a hard time. I actually haven't seen him for 20 years, and it's like, hey, Matt, good to see you. Love you, bro. I don't know what you're feeling right now, Matt, but isn't it the nature of love? Like, if I really do care about Matt, I want to come down. I want to come closer over to him. I want to come really close, and I want to uh, put my arm around Matt and give him a hug and say, hey, brother, it's good to see you. I hear you're going through a hard time. I just want you to know that I'm going to walk with you through this, and we're going to be together. Are you feeling that, Matt? He's feeling the love. He's feeling the love would you say there's a difference from loving from afar, but love that wants to come near, that wants to come close, that wants to say, I know you're going through something. I'm here for you, brother. We're going to walk through this together. Isn't that the nature of God's love? What does the incarnation mean? What does this mean about God? It's beautiful. It's love incarnate. Last week... One of my children had a performance at school. Um, this story is going to be anonymous. Let's just say it was my son, Ryan. <laughs> now, I'd like to tell you what happened. Uh, Raina said, Ryan's got a performance. It's at at 9.45. I said, I'm working then. I'm working. She said, look, he's a little bit nervous. He would like you to be there. I said, well, uh, I'll see what I can do. So come around 940. I had a change of heart. I want to put my son first. I want to be there. So 940, I'm on the phone. I'm calling Raina. I'm saying, Raina, I'm going to make it. I want to come. I'm in the neighborhood. She says, you better hurry and get here quick. I broke a few laws to get there. But I got there, and I parked. And I'm running to the auditorium, just running, running, so I can be there. I get there, and right as I'm there, there's a crowd of parents. His class is all lined up. I'm looking for my son. I'm looking for my son. I don't see him. I go around to the other side. I'm looking for him. I see him, but he doesn't see me. So I don't know what to do. So I get on a chair, and I start waving hysterically. I start doing something like this, and then he sees me. Now, I got to tell you, big bright smile I don't know if he was nervous but I do know that for the rest of the time he couldn't take his eyes off of me and he looked he looked like he was having a good time now right at that moment I felt like I heard the Lord saying to me in a very faint whisper and don't you know I will always be there for you and I just started to tear up and cry Church, don't you know that your God will always be there for you? Because when you love someone, it's not enough just to love them from afar. The love desires to come close, and he did. He entered into our sin-sick world. He entered into our problems, our struggles, our pain. Whatever you're going through... Whatever you've been through, whatever you'll go through in 2019, God does not stand afar. He enters in. He comes close. He puts his arm around us and he says, I'll always be with you and we will ride this out together. As the angel said, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Because in the person of Jesus Christ, he had. Pray with me. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. Father, we take our cues from Mary, who pondered the treasures of Christ in her heart. This Christmas... I pray that we would find some time, either time with family or time together, like right here, or even times alone, where we can spend time with you and to ponder the treasures of your incarnation, to ponder Mary and her willingness to, to be available to God. We can ponder what it means that Jesus came to save us from our sins this Christmas, I just pray that we'd sneak away and spend some time with you and to ponder the treasures of Christmas. We love you, Lord. We thank you for coming. In your name we pray.